Hello, fellow rebel capitalists. Hope you're well. Let's get right into the topic. So it is official. Goldman Sachs has gone full retard. You heard it first on the rebel capitalist channel right here. They've gone full retard. They've done it. <laughs> you say, well, George, what makes you say that? Because when you see the prediction that they have made for a recession in 2024, you're going to get exactly what I'm talking about. So let's dive into it right now and see what the geniuses at Goldman Sachs are saying about the recession in 2024 and how they are coming to those conclusions. And I may give you a gentle rebuttal <laughs> to what they're saying. All right. So this article, Goldman Sachs cuts chances of U.S. recession in next one year to 15%. Now, this was down. It's great because I've already read the article for once. This is down from 20% earlier in the year. And uh, this is according to their chief economist, Jan Hatsu yes, Hatsuus. Hatsus, we'll call it. So what I went over to begin with is the fact that Jan, like the guy we were talking about yesterday with JP Morgan or the day prior, his main motivation is to keep his job. It's not to be right. It's not to call turns in the economy. It's just to basically take the consensus view and put a little teeny weeny spin on it. And also, I think he falls victim to human nature like we all do. But I was actually thinking about this this morning at the gym, and it dawned on me that what these guys do when they come out on CNBC or Bloomberg, all these quote-unquote mainstream people, is it seems like they just take the last two or three months, so they take what has happened in the recent past, and they extrapolate that indefinitely into the future. Because, I mean, think about it. Whenever you watch CNBC or uh, any of the financial media, the mainstream media, it's pretty much the same thing over and over and over and over and over again. They might have a slightly different view on Google or Tesla or what's going on with NVIDIA or something like that. But overall, what they say about macro is that what whatever's happened, and they don't say this, but they just basically their prediction is what you have noticed in the data over the last two months. And they do this to be very, very safe, right? Because no one's going to call you a conspiracy theorist. No one's going to call you a tinfoil hatter. No one's going to call you a crazy person. And this goes back to them wanting to increase the probability of them keeping their job. So unfortunately, what they miss here is every single significant turn. This is why they miss CBDCs. This is why they miss the cervasa sickness. This is why they missed uh, Ukraine. This is why they missed the mandates, the medicine mandates. You guys know what I'm talking about. This is why they missed inflation, for heaven's sakes. Remember, all the Goldman Sachs types were talking about how it was transitory. None of them stepped outside of the talking points the Fed was making and said, whoa, whoa no, 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 this is not transitory. No, this is going to be a real problem. And then, of course, when it gets up to 8 or 9%, because that's what happened the last couple months, then the Goldman Sachs types are out there saying, oh, inflation's going to go to 20%. So they always just kind of stick with the short-term trend, and they always miss these paradigm shifts with not just economy, but society at large. So now let's go back to what their argument is as to why there's almost, or why the probability of a recession is so low. 
There's an 85% chance, according to them, that we have no recession at all. And you'll notice throughout this article, they failed to mention the elephant in the room, which, as you guys know, is the yield curve. And I, one of the reasons, I understand why the Fed ignores it, but with these, uh, the Goldman Sachs types, I think they ignore it because if investing was easy, if predicting a recession was easy, then you wouldn't need them. It's one of the reasons why lawyers, you know, <laughs> they, they have to have their own language because you need other lawyers to decipher what they're saying. Where if it was just straightforward, you wouldn't need as many lawyers. And if it was all about just watching the yield curve, well, you wouldn't need Goldman Sachs now, would you? Okay. But getting into their talking points, the investment bank said it expected a re-acceleration in real disposable income next year on the back of continued solid job growth and rising real wages. Okay. So first thing, my first rebuttal, or let me explain what they're talking about. Let's go over to this chart from Statista.com. And this blue line is wages, the black line CPI. So this is what Jan and the full retards at Goldman Sachs are referring to. So this blue line is above the black line. So assuming the CPI is correct, which that's debatable, people's purchasing power has been increasing. And since their MO is just taking whatever happened in the last two months and extrapolating that indefinitely into the future. They just think that this trend is going to ha- this is going to continue forever. Nothing to see here. Therefore, the purchasing power and the disposable income of the average American is going to grow and grow and grow and grow and grow. It's going to go to the sky. Okay. Well, what I would say to Jan is if this is so significant, then why is excess savings plummeting? We've been talking about that a lot on this channel. You go back to that report from the San Francisco Fed, and they showed that all of the additional savings that had been built up as a result of the government's policies over the last, let's say, two or three years, that's coming to an end by September. Okay, so it was way up here. You guys have seen that chart. And it's come way back down to the level of 2019. So if Purchasing power overall is increasing. Why is the additional savings coming down? And if additional savings is coming down, well, then how is disposable income going up? You're basing that judgment just on one data point, which I'm going to point out is incorrect once you actually scratch beneath the surface and quit trying to spin all of these numbers for your recency bias and your number one priority, keeping your job. Let's get back to. Whoops, let's get back to what Jan is saying. It also noted, talk about Goldman Sachs, the drag from monetary policy tightening will continue to diminish before vanishing entirely by early 2024. Now, this is <laughs> this is where the spin doctors really come out. Because what you're assuming, and let's keep in mind that Jerome Powell may still continue to increase increase rates. Okay, so they're saying that this is going to vanish entirely by early 2024, not just 2024. So this implies that the lag effect from the Fed tightening rates is like three weeks. Well, we know that's nonsense. Just study history. And see, another thing you'll notice that in order to come to a lot of the conclusions that they espouse or the predictions that they make or their views on the future, you have to completely omit history. You've got to just divorce yourself from the reality of what has happened in the past. So if my point here is if you look at how long that lag effect is, it's usually like nine months, nine months to a year. 
So, Josh, what was the Fed funds rate a year ago? Because uh, while I'm check. going over that, yeah, can you look that up for me really quick? Oh, here we go. I've got it. That's why I keep all these tabs open. You guys give me crap for keeping all these tabs open. Now you know why. Okay, so a year ago, we are, what are we, September 2023. So, figure September, that's 2.56. It just, there you go. So, September 2022, we were at 2.56. So, those are the interest rates that have worked their way through the economy. If you're being intellectually honest, the other 2.5 or 2.75%, assuming Fed funds at 5.25% has not. And there's no chance that it does by the beginning of 2024, Jan. So if I'm some schmuck on YouTube, barely graduated high school, if I can sit here and poke holes in pretty much every single thing that you're saying, I think the average person sh person should look at that and they should include that in their decision making as to whether or not to take you seriously. <laughs> That's a roundabout way to say the average guy should ignore every single thing that comes out of your mouth. Okay, let's go back to what they are saying here at Goldman Sachs. US consumer spending accelerated in July. But slowing inflation strengthened expectations that the Federal Reserve would keep interest rates unchanged in its policy meeting this month. Okay, so they're saying that inflation is coming down and uh, the Fed's basically going to pause or will likely pause rates because inflation is coming down. And we see that consumer spending accelerated. So this must prove what we are saying about real wages increasing and people having more disposable income. Again, looking in the rearview mirror, Goldman Sachs said it believed that Fed Chair Powell proceed uh, Powell's proceed carefully. Quoting, I guess they're quoting Powell there. Approach signals that September hike is off the table and hurdle for November hike is significant. So again, they're assuming that the Fed is going to keep rates where they are right now. They're not going to hike interest rates, and therefore the job market is going to stay the exact same. Therefore, it's very tight. The um, benefit, the leverage goes to the worker. Therefore, their wages are going to increase. Inflation, of course, is going to do exactly what it's done the last two months. It's going to stay very, very low. So this means more purchasing power for the consumer. And the consumer is going to drive, the resilient consumer, is going to drive the economy for the entirety of 2024 and prevent us from going into a recession because they're going to have so much money to spend, they're not going to know what to do with it. And that money or that the, their incomes, excuse me, are going to exceed the rate of inflation by such a degree that it's going to be an economic boom. See, what's funny is when Jan comes out and spins it like this, this plain vanilla version, it seems kind of plausible. But when you actually break down what he is saying, it seems ridiculous. Hey guys, I want to remind you to check out Rebel Capitalist Pro. This is the incredible online investment forum that I have with investment experts, Lynn Alden and Chris McIntosh. It includes professionals such as Patrick Serezna from Macro Voices. He specializes in options. Tony Greer, commodity trading. Jason Hartman, real estate. And Brent Johnson with Macro economics. If you want to build wealth and thrive in this world of out-of-control central banks and big governments, 
Rebel Capitalist Pro is the resource you need. So check it out today at georgegammon.com forward slash pro. That's georgegammon.com forward slash pro. We'll see you inside with the fellow rebel capitalists that are taking their investing to the next level. And here is where it goes from ridiculous to just completely insane. And if you didn't believe me as why or why you should completely, you know, I take that back. You should not ignore what they're saying. You should use that as a metric to include into your decision-making process. But I would almost use it as a, um, a contrarian indicator, understanding what their incentives are and understanding that they always fall victim to this short-term recency bias. And they just extrapolate that into the future. But if you were wondering as to whether or not Jan was, I don't want to use the word being dishonest. I don't think he's being dishonest. But if you thought that he may be speaking his mind in the most accurate way possible, I think this disproves that. Why? Because he completely contradicts himself. And that's when my spidey senses go up. And I, I get the the kind of the, you know, whenever they're talking about Ukraine or something like that, that you get those spidey senses that this is most likely propaganda. And I think whenever these Goldman Sachs types contradict themselves, that's when I get the red flag, the spidey senses that say, you know what, this is just a pitch. This is a sales pitch. This is not what they really think. So Goldman added that it expected a very, very gradual cuts of 25 basis points per quarter starting in second quarter of 2024. Okay, so if the if we're not going to have a recession, if we're going to have this no landing, if the consumer is going to get stronger and stronger and stronger, if their disposable income is just going to skyrocket, going to go to the moon, and 70% of the economy is consumption, then why would the Fed start dropping rates? You see, this implies that the current rates are higher than usual. No, 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 no. 5.25%, that's normal. You go back, go back to the 1800s, for heaven's sakes. This is usually where, right around where interest rates are. As far as Fed funds or prior to the Fed, uh, the front end of the, the interest rate curve. So why? If we have this no landing, if the economy starts taking off again, if the consumer starts spending like they were spending in 2021, why would the Fed drop rates? If anything, they, they would continue to hike because we would see the long end of the curve go up as far as yields. We would have that bear steepener that we talk about on this channel, which we've never had in human history. But that's what you would see. You'd see the 10-year start going up because inflation expectations and growth expectations would increase. But of course, he omits that. So now let, let's think this through and assume that what he is saying is true. If the Fed were to drop rates even slowly, what would that mean? What would that environment look like? Well, that would mean that the CPI was going eh, from maybe 3.5 or something down to 3, down to 2.5, maybe even 1.9. And that's what the Fed doesn't like. Now, all of a sudden, they're going to start gradually dropping rates because they're worried about inflation going even lower. So, Jan, help me out here. I've never taken an econ class so you're going to have to walk me through this. But if the Fed is worried about the CPI going negative, that would mean deflation. Prices actually going down. And that would be the most likely environment where the Fed would be dropping rates, even very gradually, because they are worried about 
deflation. So if the Fed is worried about deflation, is that an environment where you're likely to have a recession? Or is that an environment where you're likely to have no landing at all and the economy is going to go through this little bit of lull that we're experiencing right now and it's just going to rip higher? And oh, by the way, the long end of the yield curve is going to go up. The 10-year is going to go from 4.2 up to 6% in this environment where the Fed is gradually dropping rates because they're worried about deflation. I mean, come on. Come on. Right there, you just defeated your own argument, Jan. So I don't know again, how you can take this seriously other than to use it for a contrarian indicator. Now, there's one other thing that, let me make sure I'm still live here. Okay, yeah, so the internet is hanging on for this one. Now, let's go over to another chart here that I think is very important because we looked at the Statista numbers with the last few months, inflation being a lot lower than nominal wage growth. Okay, but that's when you combine all wages together. And I think in doing so, you're losing some very important nuance to the argument. This green line, well, all, the different colored lines represent wage growth, nominal wage growth, for specific age brackets. Look at this. Green is, I would argue, currently, when you just look at the overall economy and consumer spending, it's, it's probably the least important demographic. Okay, These are people you know, 16 to 24. So these are kids. Uh, they're just going out to restaurants, bars, bowling alleys. They're the ones traveling. They're the ones on Instagram. They're they're doing all these things, but they're not buying homes. They're not uh, creating goods and services. Likely not starting too many businesses. Although, you know, they they start some, but it's not the bulk of the economy. And by the way, they're being subsidized by the fifty five plus. But that's a whole separate video. And I would also note that look at what their the wage growth has done recently. It's dropping off a cliff. Now, it's still positive, yes, but it is plummeting to a point where it looks like it's going to get darn close to the other age brackets very quickly. But what would happen if we looked at this Statista chart one more time and we omitted the 16 to 24 age group? We basically omitted kids and college students. So we're just focusing on working adults. Okay, well, this blue line would be way different. This blue line would be significantly lower. I mean, if we the delta right here at uh, when inflation was nine point one percent was roughly let's see, call it three, uh, what two point four percent, something like that. So if you were if you omit kids from the wage growth, uh, wage growth, I mean, you'd be at a delta of five six percent discrepancy there. So my point is the negative real wage growth that we have had over the past, call it year or so, year plus, going back to March of uh, 2021, or maybe better said, the negative real wage growth that we had during this period would be much, much, much more severe. And I think would be more consistent with what you're seeing in the real economy, especially when the most popular song in the world right now is some guy bitching about the dollar losing its purchasing power. Then I would argue that if you omit the college students that even now, this real wage growth that you're seeing based on these on this chart would still be negative. And I think that makes a huge difference, especially when you consider the fact this age group, their wage growth is plummeting right back down likely to where these uh, other groups are that have not even come close to having their wages keep track with the rate of inflation and their expense side of their P&L is going to skyrocket.
with student loans, and with a lot of these other payments that they're going to have to start making. So main takeaway here is uh, let's listen to JP Morgan. Let's listen to Goldman Sachs. Let's hear what they have to say. Uh, Let's try to keep an open mind. But usually the conclusion that I come to is I just use that as a contrarian indicator. And I always have some healthy skepticism towards what they say because I realize that their main motivation is to keep their job. They're going to have this recency bias where they just look at what has happened over the last couple months and assume that it's going to happen forever into the future. And when I hear inconsistencies with what they themselves say, with their own argument, that's when I step back and say, okay, this is most likely some sort of sales pitch, and this isn't really what they believe. All right, guys, enjoy the rest of your afternoon. As always, make sure that you're standing up for freedom, liberty, free market, capitalism. We'll see you in the next video.